Hello, it's Pete here, and welcome to EdTech Innovators. This time, we'll be answering the big question. Can you learn one year of mathematics in a matter of months? Three months, in fact. To answer this question, we have Vidicha from Elephant Learning. And this question is as big as an elephant. I'm very pleased to have Aditya from Elephant Learning uh, with me today. And uh, Aditya tells me that he's in the zone completely for this interview. Is that true? Yeah, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. So let's start by asking you, what is Elephant Learning? Well, okay, so it's a math academy for children ages two and up. And basically, um, on average, children in our system learn one and a half years of mathematics over the course of 10 weeks when they use our system just uh, 30 minutes per week. Um, the learning is delivered via experiential learning. So it's delivered via games, which are puzzle games. So the, the way to think about it is kind of like on Angry Birds for mathematics. The child gets a puzzle, they solve the puzzle, they exhibit a mathematical idea in solving the puzzle and we're placing language around it. So what we're doing is we're focusing on conceptual math or the way we explain it to parents is the language of mathematics. Interesting. So kind of literacy regarding uh, mathematics. So um, I mean, what, when I was learning math, math at school, the, the, I was never taught why. Why is this important to me? So I'm imagining that this language that um, underpins um, why math is taught um, will, will be helpful to, 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 uh, to children. Yeah, so like um, the thing is, is that like, I don't know if it's about the why or not, but like children that are understanding it from a from a conceptual perspective, they tend to be more engaged with it and they tend to talk about it more with their parents. Um, and they I mean, they bring it up in situations like at the dinner table or et cetera. And uh, and honestly, to the parents, sometimes it's kind of surprising that that children that young would be asking the questions that they're asking. Um, but honestly, mathematics itself is sort of a, a natural uh, puzzle or curiosity, and it's everywhere. It's universal. It's, I mean, every language, every groups of people, um, like literally when we communicate with aliens, we send them mathematics. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed we do. Can you give any examples of these conceptual questions that children are you know, um, asking their parents at the dinner table? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know exactly for sure. I mean, this is a testimonial, but like, say, with my child, he he catches on uh, fairly quickly, like if he wants more, if he wants less, how much more does he want, um, et cetera, right? So like, we're able to kind of use the games also, uh, you know, cause I'm, I'm approaching it more from a coaching perspective, but I'm kind of able to use the games to then make sure that he does actually understand, right? Like I want nine cookies, Papa. And I'm like, well, you got four. How many more do you need to have nine? <laughs> so math is a, is, a, is a language and it's, um, it's, it's, it's really about uh, concepts rather than uh, memorizing um, hard facts. Um, so that's interesting. Who, who are your core market then? Who's who's um, who's, who's uh, buying uh, elephant math? Elephant Absolutely, learning. we cover ages two and up, mm -hmm. um, and we cover from counting through algebra, 
Uh, we just added a personal finance course. So like, as you get through the algebra stuff, then we're able to talk to you about interest rates and things like that. And um, I mean, I don't know. I think I lost the thread there. I apologize. It's okay. Don't worry. It's all right. Yeah. Um, so I've been thinking that whatever, whatever your age, that math anxiety is potentially an issue. And I certainly had that when I was at school. So um, how might uh, you, you help me? How might elephant, well, not personally perhaps, but how might uh, elephant learning um, help my, um, let's say, 13-year-old self with my math anxiety? Absolutely. So like, for older children, you know, especially if they have math anxiety, first of all, what we know is that like 75% um, of high school students are not proficient at high school mathematics. And that means that there's a gap in understanding that occurred in algebra or earlier. Um, and what our system is just uniquely able to do is identify where that gap is, start you at that level, and then build you up from there. And because we're working on the language, you don't have to have memorized all of the processes for how do you multiply and divide, and, right? If you have an understanding of what it is and how to use it to solve problems, now what's happening in the classroom starts to make more sense. And, and again, we do that through algebra. So we do variables and we do uh, almost all of the written mathematics because algebra is truly actually the introduction to written mathematics. It's like if I were to redesign uh, mathematically, um, how the school system would do it. And I mean, you introduced me as a teacher from elephant learning. I've got a PhD in mathematics uh, from the University of Denver. Um, if I were to redo it, that's what it would be, right? So based on what I've learned thus far, it, and that's what we've done in our system. So <laughs> we literally call it the introduction to written mathematics. And then we start to introduce it to them in written form with the understanding behind the writing having come from the earlier activities. Mm, interesting. So, I mean, one, one thing I think is really interesting there is that obviously, you know, you have a PhD in mathematics and so on, and um, you know, the teachers who you're working with are proficient also, but you're involving the parents too, aren't you, with coaching videos and so on. Do, do you have any feedback from, from a sort of informal feedback from them? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like parents that use our materials are just, through the roof. So they come back, they thank us. I mean, I've, I've got, I remember an email where she said, you know, you taught me how to teach my child math and that's crazy. Right. Uh, and so like, I mean, the, the feedback's generally good, right? It's just that a lot of parents themselves might have math anxiety. And the question is whether they're going to let that get in the way. And so like what we've redone in um, maybe in the last six months, is the onboarding for the parent so that like what we started out with um i've always wanted to do this but i could never find uh someone to make it happen so we just did it but it it was basically a set of rules for the game right because like it's such a different thing than what's out there um and actually what we did was we called it the parent rules for the game and the first rule is that it's okay for your student to answer incorrectly. And what's important is that we treat this like a basketball hoop. Um, so like, you know, if it's a basketball hoop and the ball doesn't go in, it's not the end of the world, right? You're just gonna tell the child to try again. Even if they're frustrated, you're gonna say, well, just try again. It's not a big deal. 
But with mathematics, we treat it differently. And it, it especially, I mean, that is the math anxiety, right? We treat it differently. If you don't answer it correctly, then there's this idea of wrong. And there's a lot of emotions associated um, kind of around that. And what we need to do from a coaching perspective is we need to take it back to the basketball hoop. It's okay, right, that you didn't answer this correctly, this puzzle correctly. You'll get it, right? I, we believe you can do it. And then making sure that when they do exhibit the right idea that we're labeling it correctly. So um, to give you a concrete example of what I mean by all of this, it's like um, the idea of addition. Give me five things. Give me four more things. I, I tend to compare that to like teaching a child the color, the colors, right? They have to catch that that idea is what we mean by addition. So you just got to show it to them over and over and over again and call it addition until they can start to realize that four plus three written on a piece of paper or the screen or wherever means give me four things, give me three more things. How many do I have now? Mm. Once we've made that connection, you know, there's not going to be a lot of anxiety over this. It's when four plus three has no meaning and you're memorizing that it's seven, then you're going to have anxiety. Yeah. Okay. Now, what, um, I mean, not just from a parent's point of view, but from a teacher's point of view too, some of the free resources, I think are definitely worth talking about if it's okay with you. So some, sure. some of the ones that really catch my eye are the contextual information about um, the background about Ada Lovelace, for example, G.H. Hardy and mathematics as art. Um, and also things like um, going beyond Pythagoras. So looking into the life of Pythagoras and um, articles about things like how learning mathematics helps athletes succeed and the true link between learning math and creativity. Um, are there any of those or um, anything beyond that that you would like to talk about? I mean, look, mathematics at this point infiltrates basically every part of our lives because you and I are speaking on a machine that is built on top of mathematics. We're literally, like, it's literally a video of me, right? Those pixels are being sent over a wire. I mean, that's what's happening, right? <laughs> like, so, like, I mean, when you say, like, hey, like, does it help athletes succeed? the language of money is the language of mathematics. And so if you want to succeed with money, which I mean, how you define success is completely up to you, but a lot of people want to define it through money. I don't personally do that. But if that's how you define it, then theoretically speaking, you got to have a strong understanding of mathematics in order to be successful with money. And um, if you look at it, that's exactly who Wall Street hires. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. And, and from a sort of, you know, philosophical point of view, if you like, um, people who, who might argue that uh, money is not important um, in, in their work, well, they wouldn't do it if, they, if they, people stop paying them, if that makes sense. Look, I mean, money is a measurement of value. So, mm -hmm. like, it's not like money's not important, but, like, in itself, there's no value there, mm -hmm. right? So then... The amount of money that you're willing to accept for your time is a judgment on your value, uh, but not necessarily your value, but the value that your time is adding to whatever uh, organization is giving you that money. 
Mm. So when you look into things like the life of Pythagoras and uh, you know the background of Alan Turing and, and so on and his um, story, um, this can make everything a lot more meaningful to, 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 to especially older kids, but maybe the very younger kids too. I mean, look, I, I think uh, what's really important for children from a learning perspective is to go out and get biographies of uh, these people and understand what was their journey. I mean, look, when you're 10 or 15 years old, there's no way for you to map the journey. Like as adults, we're like, oh, you know what? If you could just tell us where you want to be, we're gonna, we'll tell you how to get there, right? Because we've, we've already gone through the experience. We think we can get our, our, our kids ahead that way. But when I look back and I think about it, it, it was never really possible. And like, mm. it's, it's very rare that like this happens. Everyone in the end, they build their own journey and they learn from the experiences that they have. But you also learn from the experiences of other people. Mm. And um, like when you join a business group, so you, you try to become a leader, what's being shared are stories. This was my story, this was their story. And, and you take those stories and you learn from them. And in the end, right, like if you go to business school, they give you case studies and you use those. Case. So that's what it is at the, at the end is you're looking at different situations and different experiences and you're trying to take away uh, what the learning might be from that. So, like, I think it's really important that children do that. And it could be Alan Turing. It could be Steve Jobs. It's really up to whatever the kid's interested in. Mm, absolutely. Um... Now, one thing that um, I, I also I was really drawn to on the free resources pages on the website is um, this issue about a private tuition. How you know perhaps um, what you, what you're doing is is superior than to superior to private tuition. Uh, is there anything you you would, you would say about that? Is it just more effective and efficient? Well, look. So this uh, project was very specifically designed to solve a very specific problem. And I think on our website, when you look at the about, we try to talk to people about that problem, but it really needs to be more of a conversation. And the problem is that like four out of five students start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum. And it's the top 20% income earners that have their children start prepared. Now, what does it mean to be prepared for the kindergarten curriculum, specifically when it comes to mathematics, is basically understanding the numbers. And the thing is, is that like if both parents have jobs and they're busy and they're tired, uh, when the student says the numbers one through 10, I'd count that as understanding. When I took on this project, I would count that as understanding. But what the kindergarten curriculum means by counting to 10 is slide me 10 things and stop on 10. So I ask for 10 and you're able to do that. Um, so like to some degree, like people pay for preschool and they're getting what they paid for, which is that their child will be able to count to 10. Um, now from there, the gap sort of starts to widen because in the American uh, system, we don't fail people in kindergarten, first or second grade. So in other words, if they don't understand the materials, it's, it's probably they're just going to continue on. They get another chance. And if they don't catch up, the next thing you know, now they're in a situation where they don't really understand what's going on. They don't want to fail because they'll be held back. And um, so memorization becomes a legitimate strategy for trying to get through. So uh, the thing was, was that the top 20% income earners 
their children um, from kindergarten through uh, 12th grade. The data we looked at said that their children actually improved over time. And, uh, and also for the second uh, quartile of income, so like 50 to 100%, there was some improvement, more so for the top 25%. And for the bottom 50%, the lines were down. And so like, if you think about what this means, it means that the student comes in not understanding the teacher. But, and if they don't, right, they don't ever seem to catch up. And in fact, it becomes worse off. They probably even stop trying. Why should you try if you don't understand? But for those children that came in and understood the teacher, well, the education system worked. So like in the end, right, what I was trying to do was I was trying to fill that gap. Can I get a student, any student, to just understand the teacher at their grade level? And that's number one. But number two, can I get four-year-olds to count to 20 at a very consistent rate? Because then they would enter kindergarten prepared. Hmm. And and that was the idea. Excellent. So... um... If, so if, I, if my child is, say, let's like, going into K-12, or as we say in the UK, secondary school, so age 11 onwards, um, and I knew that my child was, was, uh, was struggling with, with mathematics um, in primary school in, in, you know, in the early years, um, what, where would I start then? Um, what, what would be a good place to start for me as, 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 a, as a parent? Um, so like within our system or...? yeah. So uh, what we do is uh, we start out with a placement exam for children older than five, and we generally choose the uh, starting position of that placement exam by the age of the student. Um, But sometimes it happens that like um, you have a student and you know they're further behind. So on entry, we walk you through like, hey, this is what we're going to give them, but do you want to switch it to something lower? Or maybe even something higher, because like we have parents come in and they say, oh, well, my child's ahead. Well, it's okay. Pop them up a level on that placement exam. And as long as they don't exit immediately, theoretically, we find their level a little bit faster. Uh, But we always find their level. Basically, we will just test them out of all of our subjects um, until we find uh, the the level that is like, oh, well, you're not able to answer this. So now we're going to teach you this materials. Um, and so the, so the end result of that is a very strong understanding of what the child understands and doesn't understand. And we just created a, a, a portal for the teacher maybe a year back where we're able to quickly put that, put that information onto a chart so that they're able to identify the students of similar levels of understanding so that then they could try to catch them up to the level where they need to be for the curriculum, A, but B, they could speak to them at their level so that you're not developing math anxiety because the math anxiety occurs when the student says, yeah, I did understand when they didn't, right? And they're motivated to do that in these groups, in this type of a group setting. So um, yeah, so that's, that's how it would start uh, for basically every child older than, older than five. For younger than five, we just do it on the averages because there's no standards. So what does that exam look like then? Is it an online exam that you, that you set that they, they take asynchronously or? It, it, it integrates straight into the game. So to the student, it's supposed to feel like a video game. So you know how the first level of Angry Birds is pretty easy. 
the first level of elephant learning. Right. It's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to build a little bit of confidence as you come into your level. And then you'll start missing the ball a little bit. Again, I like the basketball hoop analogy. It's like we're taking up the, ball, the hoop maybe a foot at a time. And then once we found your level, okay, we bring it back down and now we take it up an inch at a time. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it stays gamified for the, for the entire process. Isn't it? That's right. Into algebra, where it's still a game, but the objective of the game changes. Now the objective of the game is to find true statements and false statements, mm. um, but, but that's what it is. This is this is great. So finally, um, hopefully you, you may have some words of optimism, but uh, don't worry if you don't. But what would you say about the kind of COVID deficit then, the, the, just how far children appear to be falling behind on math because of uh, COVID? I mean, look, the thing is, is that like, I, I don't think honestly that it got much worse than it was, right? Like, in 2019 and i mean i looked these statistics up so that i can keep writing them down as marketing but like mm -hmm. in 2019 it said 75 percent of high school students are not proficient at high school math i mean that's a huge percentage if you think about it right mm -hmm. and, and so like maybe now it'll be 80 percent. i mean how much worse can it get right those children that did understand that's the whole thing um, they might've been okay via Zoom calls. They might've been okay working on their own. It actually might've been better for them because like working on your own causes this uh, mentality of, I can do this. I've been underwater before. I didn't have someone explain this to me. I got it from the book. Mm, interesting. What about in terms of your, your, your business then, the, the challenges that have been presented to you because of COVID? I mean, the, you are surviving and thriving. So um, anything you can say about that? Well, so immediately when COVID happened, um, there was a, 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 like a running to everything online. So we did experience that, right? We were online, people came in. Um, I'd say maybe in July, there was this strong apathy that occurred. Hmm. Like, you know what? My kids go on back into school physically. And I'm like, and that's what we're gonna do, right? So like all I think all of the online stuff started to go away. Um and so now, yeah, like I think it, it's allowed us this chance to take a year to talk to some teachers because like I think they were willing to take uh I'd say more risk. But like we've had teachers come through, put their children in our system and then say, like, we need this for the classroom. So like, you know, we built the thing. It's not like we're marketing it to teachers, but like it's allowed us to now pivot and really design that. So like in that year is when we figured out this visual layout um, for for like how the teacher can quickly identify this. Right. Like, how do I take the data that I have and then visually display it so that they can accomplish this goal? That's what we were able to accomplish in the pandemic year. And, um, and so now what we're going to do is we're gonna pivot and uh, we're gonna actually self-serve schools uh, before the end of the month here. Mm -hmm. Interesting, so a great deal of creative thinking has been going on during the pandemic, of course. Um, were you targeting the Colorado area to begin with or, or globally? Well, so like um, we typically uh, are marketing on Facebook or Google or Pinterest or et cetera. So like um, we, we did go global at some point, like, you know, we see this apathy around spring break. And so I said, well, why don't you market Australia? 
And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? It's not spring in Australia. (laughs) So, so like, you know, these markets opened up, uh, you know, fairly quickly over time, but like initially it was us. And then as soon as we started to reach some level of saturation, uh, we started to, to experience um, the mood of the parent. Yeah, absolutely. And where are you in Colorado? I'm in Denver. Oh, you're in Denver. Okay. I've never been to Colorado, but um, if I go, uh, I want it to be exactly like South Park. Do you think that will happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Denver is pretty close to the mountains, but South Park, like the uh, cartoon, is uh, like supposed to be like in the mountains. Yeah. And um, it, it, I think uh, what we've locally kind of determined is that it might be like um should i had the name a second ago and i just went the fair play type area uh, so it's like southwest of denver maybe um maybe like an hour and a half yeah no, i can imagine yeah i wasn't really serious but uh <laughs> excellent okay well um thank you so much uh, this has been a really productive conversation and um I, I just want to go back for my children being younger to, to my children being younger so that i could get them uh, interested in, in math in a different way but um th- this has been really useful and um the best of luck to you and i'll stay in touch and this podcast will come out in a few days time and it's been great talking to you yeah i appreciate your time thank you so much thanks Aditya. Well, it's game over for now, but we'll be back very soon with more stories from EdTech Innovators. Until then, take it easy. See you later.